Welcome to From the Producer's Office, a series of informal podcasts with Opera Holland Park's director of opera, James Clutton. In conversation with creatives and collaborators, we explore the process of putting opera on stage and how the artists involved approach their craft. Hello, welcome to From the Producer's Office. I'm James Clutton, director of opera, Opera Holland Park. Today I've got with me uh, not only a great friend of mine, but one of the people that everyone that knows me knows I respect the most in the business. I love working with her. I've actually had the chance to work with her, but I love being with her and talking about the business. Uh, the CEO of Neville Holt Opera, Annie Lidford. How are you, Annie? Oh, hi, James. That's so nice of you to say. Um, I'm all right. We were just saying, actually, how weird it is answering that question about whether how you are. How you are. Because <laughs> you're simultaneously like, yeah, you know, it's another day, whilst obviously there's the impending catastrophe of our whole sector. Yeah, so, and that's I'm, the I'm thing, fine. but it's got <laughs> a lot of it's got a lot of nuance to how are you these days, isn't it? It's not normal it's not the normal thing. No, exactly. I mean, every day is a completely new challenge, isn't it? I mean, you know this. You think you've got a plan in place or have come up with, you know, a slight chink of light and then mm. of course everything is scuppered and changed. But you know, today feels like fairly optimistic day that's good well there and we're talking so it's even better yeah, that's so a really nice thing let's let's lose the present just for the moment and, and go back into the past um right at the very beginning uh were you born into a musical family did they have classical music around um so my, my family aren't, aren't particularly musical um my parents love music and listen to music um but neither really play that much although my my dad has since retirement taken up the piano and singing and the saxophone which excellent is absolutely lovely but no growing up i just um you know i was lucky enough to have access to music lessons and just uh, fell in love with it and you know as a teenager loved trying to play everything i could find learn everything mm-hmm. i could find and um was really lucky to play in orchestras like national youth orchestra and others that just completely right. changed my life it's um, great organization hey uh, amazing. I mean, my happiest, happiest memories of being a, a child or a teenager, either National Youth Orchestra or I did the junior department at the academy, and that was my my people. It was it was so oh, great. Fantastic. Was so was that was was your parents supportive when you started wanting to do that more and more with music? Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. I mean, looking back, it it sort of shows within our sector the challenges that people face because my parents were absolutely amazing and ferried me around everywhere and supported me and you know paid for incredibly expensive tuition and other other things and you think actually if I hadn't had that I, I'm absolutely sure that yeah. I wouldn't be where I am and it, it yeah. shows yeah I'm so lucky it's an amazing thing when you get that support and so many people in our in our sector and industry generally have had that because it's very difficult to get into and it's very difficult to sustain. And if you haven't got that sort of family support, it's very, very hard. Yeah, and I think we all have a responsibility to change that. I mean, even even the sort of impact that doing a lot of music as a child had on me generally. I think when I first started at the Junior Academy, um, I was too shy to stand on stage or bow. I just wouldn't do it. So I remember I'd play and then kind of scuttle off because I felt so self-conscious and the idea of standing in front of people was so horrifying. And I think it is through performing and making music at whatever level that young people can grow in confidence and Mm. find out who they are and express themselves. And we we all, you know, all of us in the industry 
I know you do so much, obviously, at Holland Park, but we all have a responsibility to open that out and make it more accessible. Yeah. But it is difficult because there is problems that people put in front of it, even when they're not there. You know, there's enough problems anyway, but then people add another level of problems on it, thinking maybe they shouldn't come into it or that it's difficult. But it's, you know, it's, I think most opera companies, certainly in the UK, have really, really made efforts to, to address that. But it is still a difficult thing to do. Yeah, you're right. And it's so hard, isn't it, to simultaneously, you want to talk about and address the challenges that are there, but you don't want to talk about them so much or in yeah. such a way that you're putting people off that balance is is an interesting interesting one um, yeah i think i've told you this offline but i was i was at this um careers uh, day once uh, about two years ago and it was like the equivalent of speed dating for careers they had uh, loads of tables and 10 kids would sit at a table at a time and there was me and an actor doing um the entertainment table and the, you could see the parents rushing their kids past that table to make sure, <laughs> they didn't, make sure that they didn't sit down and get to law or to finance or something. Yeah, um, it's such an interesting one, isn't it? Did you know, James, when you left um, school, did you know what kind of jobs there were in our sector or what you might do? No, not at all. I mean, but when I left school, I didn't even, even have any idea of working in that sector. You know, I yeah. left school to become a uh, a photographer. Uh, I wanted to become a photographer and I went from straight from sixth form straight into being a photographer's assistant and, uh, and, and did that. So it was in the creative industries, but not in, a, not in an art thing of, um, of music. And so it was a real surprise when a few years later I thought, I, I really want to be working in that. You know, that's what I want to do is by seeing shows and thinking, you know, there's lots of different jobs in that thing. You know, it's a really, it's a really strange one. I mean, that really links up nicely. You're great to segue into that, Annie. Thank you. That's <laughs> okay. it's a question. Um, so was there a point where you thought about being a professional musician yourself? You know what? It's so odd. I loved playing music growing up. You know, I played the flute all the time. And then I went to university and a big part of my life was playing the organ all the time. And there was just never a moment where I wanted to do it professionally. Um, right. And I think that's for a few reasons. I think one is that, you know, I, I had friends who were better <laughs> than me. Um, and you see, and you, you know, you look quite realistically and think, actually, it's an incredibly difficult, challenging industry. And is it the right fit? But also, I know myself and I know how I um, deal with different situations and how I find stress and what makes me happy. And I just knew that for me, a freelance lifestyle um, as a player but a number of reasons wasn't the right fit for me um i've always been really interested in the business side and the behind the scenes side of how yeah. companies work but particularly how our opera companies arguably are most irrational <laughs> sort of <laughs> bizarre companies how they work and how they function and um for me that was always what i wanted to go into or what i wanted to learn more about that's great. I mean, it's unusual because, I, you know, I talk to a lot of kids, as, as I know you do, that want to get into the business and you're open like I am about talking to people when they want to get into the business and try and encourage them uh, whilst being realistic. But I never say to people, oh, don't get in it because I do love working in the industry. Yeah. I still love it, uh, you know, very, very much. But it is that thing that a lot of people don't know about those management jobs, particularly when they're coming into the sector, as you just asked me, or leaving sixth form or university. And so when you say about the management thing, how did that sort of um, manifest itself? How did you start looking at being on, the, on that side of a, of a company? Yeah, it's interesting because actually, although I say that, I sort of wanted to know more, but I definitely, I mean, similar to what you said, I had no idea what the 
actual jobs were um, that were available. And you know, I spent so much time now of my career kind of in the communications and, and marketing mm. side of things. I did not know that existed when I was at university. Really? Um, and, and came across it a bit later. So I was, I was really lucky. My second job um, after I graduated was at English National Opera. And it was, it was the most junior job possibly in the whole company, um, but it was marketing, fundraising and communications coordinator. So working across all of those departments and obviously, you know, in that sort of role, you have to get up to speed with everything really quickly. No one has time to teach you how it all works. Then you have to make yourself useful and, and do as much as you can. Obviously, you know, every company is understaffed and every, every, uh, company has its, um, tweaks and strange things and i was know, looking forward to the word that was going to come then yeah, I wasn't sure I thought, what the word was going to be definitely some words that i shouldn't use um <laughs> but no it was an amazing job because i worked across all three departments and and found out really quickly that i my favorite thing to do was to sit down and try and convince someone who uh either hadn't written about opera or didn't know about it or had an interest in or for whatever reason was open to talking to me about why they mm-hmm. should cover what we do and why it's important and why it's relevant to the people they're writing for um and i just loved that and so that communication side quickly became something that i wanted to do more of um yeah well and also it was a very clear thing because i remember i, I think this fair to say without being um in any in any way horrible or controversial it was a difficult time for the company around then and and you were dealing with communications and um everyone respected you i you know talking to critics and you know performers and other managements and that was an incredible line to 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 walk and i remember really being knocked out by you then and thinking you know hold at this time with all these extra problems being so clear and also trusted which in communications is a big one i think for trust with um critics and 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 commentators because they you know they they know you're going to try and sell them something obviously but it's how you do it and to have uh, integrity and you always manage that so you know that came obviously that came naturally to you did it well that's i mean that's incredibly generous of you to say and i'm I'm absolutely sure that's not the case well well, it it is Um, (laughs) but um i think it helped a bit and you know i'm sure other people will have different views but when when it was an incredibly difficult and painful time for everyone working at Yeno, but particularly those artists who were, were most affected, um, I would like to think that it helped that I understood to a degree what they did and I hope clearly cared extremely deeply about it. So mm. I'm never going to be someone who uh, doesn't fundamentally believe in the incredible um, power of and value of opera and music for our whole society and you know I believe that our artists are absolutely at the center of that so I'm never going to be of the view that you just sort of throw those people away or don't don't treat them Mm. fairly or don't have to make it work and even if you're in a place where you have to make incredibly difficult decisions to keep Mm. the company afloat and you know what E&O faced during those years was incredibly difficult Mm. um I hope that people I was working with could understand that we were trying to do the best we could and within that not lose certainly I never wanted to lose sight of why we were there 
or what the purpose mm -hmm. was, which was to put on brilliant opera for the widest possible yeah. audience. Um, mm. well, I think, Annie, what is you know, something you and I have talked about over many coffees or glass of wine <laughs> or over the years, whatever, is also there is a duty of people at, uh, in our jobs, your job now as well, but in commu communications is is to communicate and, and to talk to people and, 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 and front those problems up, be it in-house in, in or, or externally. And at least then people think, oh, well, okay, well, at least they spoke to me. I didn't actually agree with what they said, but I, I've got their side of it properly rather than it being, you know, shirking from that. And I think that we've both done that before. And sometimes I think that people, when you've got a difficult thing, you know, when I was going to cancel this season, 2020, and talking to as many artists as possible. And, and I know that we were going through, they were going through a lot of pain, but they could see that I was as well. And it was a thing of, okay, we're going to try and do what we can. We can't do everything because we just can't because the company will yeah. fall if we, if we looked after everyone to the extreme, you know? So I think that, you know, and I've got a lot of lovely feedback from that at the time, but it's just about people saying, okay, well, I trust them. Um, and they're, and they're being open with me, even if I don't agree with everything they say, I think that that gives you a lot of, um, points with people because they at least know that you're being open with them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's just so important, um, in a communications role, whether that's, internal external press and pr whatever just to remember that um everyone's a grown-up and people can yeah. see through if you're trying to yeah. you know, make stuff up or or put a, a sheen on something that isn't there and you know i've definitely been in that situation tried to present something in a certain way because mm. i think at the time it's you know it's the best way to do it or the best way to express what we're doing and I've a hundred percent got it wrong a number of times and I think have learned from that how to or certainly think a lot more about um how to talk to people like grown-ups who understand their industry and aren't you know irrational beings um and actually what you say James about just having very grown-up conversations and saying this is the situation we're in we'll do our absolute best and as long as you put action behind those words and show that you yeah. are trying, I, I don't think people fail to understand that at all. Um, no, I, I really do agree. And I think that, you know, this, the, we'll come on to this year in a little while, but it's, you know, it's been an, ex, an extraordinary year in that, in that way. But there's always a lot of things. And I think it's nice to hear you say that about getting it wrong, because anyone that says they haven't got it wrong a number of times <laughs> is lying, you know, because we all, we all have, you know, that's, that's it, you know, and that's the thing. And, it just gets more noticed when you're in jobs like ours, but it's, you know, we all get things wrong. And then, but the, the real skill and directors are like this as well is then knowing when to and how to change it next time rather than yeah. continually doing the thing that, that was wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, moves on from me, you know, and, and, and particularly at the moment, it's very, uh, uh, re, uh, you know, important this, but you went to creative industries federation mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm a member there and I've been at a lot of meetings. I mean, Zoom was invented for, the, <laughs> for those guys. I've been to a lot of those recently, you'll be pleased to know. Um, but that's an interesting take at the moment about what we're going through as well, about the entire creative industries as an entity. Um, and I yeah. think that, you know, that it's a great thing they're doing and very, very difficult what they're doing. But trying to bring that together as, as a single force at some level is important, eh? I think it is. And I think what is so difficult um, 
about advocating for arts, culture, the creative industries, however you group, um, you know, the many, many brilliant creative individuals and organisations across the UK, is that there are so many different arguments for why they're important. I mean, it's endless. There's uh, the fact that we love watching and listening to music. There's the educational elements. There's that it makes people's lives better. It makes towns and cities and villages nicer places to live in. It has an economic effect, of course. Um, it helps, as I was saying earlier, people to feel good about themselves and feel more confident. I mean, you can go on forever about why uh, arts and culture or the full creative industries have value in whatever sense you define value and why they should be supported. And I think, in a way, the fact that we do have so many different benefits makes it very hard for us to articulate clearly and in a joined up way why um, why we should be supported. It's not as though we say, you know, our one good thing we do is X, Y, Z, X. And then the whole <laughs> sector gets behind it. We all have slightly nuanced views on why it's important. And yeah. people, you know, understandably, because it's an incredibly uh, passionate topic, debate a lot about what the best way is to convince yeah. different people and what the right arguments are. And I think what the Federation does do really well is listen to what government are saying and where they're not convinced um, and then feedback information from the sector you know the federation mm. doesn't work on its own it listens to all of its members um, to try and advance the cause of arts okay. culture and the creative industries however that is but it is so hard to advocate for ourselves ironically because it is that kind of embarrassment of riches for why I think there's there's lots of different reasons to support the so sector. It's very interesting, very well put. I think that's the thing that I think that, you know, there are so many ways. And one of the problems is that a lot of people want there to be a way and that's the order that we push it. And, and it can't be. We need to be flexible because different yeah. people on different days will respond differently to different arguments. And that's the, you know, that's the thing, you know, some people, however brilliant the economic argument is, and it's a very strong one, some people won't just, just won't go with it in, in, in different ways. Totally. And sometimes and they, it's completely the wrong argument to make. Yeah, for and me, it's got to be about the greater good and the other things. Yeah. And the economic is a lovely second one or third one to go in behind it, as well as this. But, you know, the amount of people during lockdown that have said to me, in different versions in arguments or whatever or um well you know it's the arts you know i could do without them but they've all been at home you know watching netflix or yeah you know, reading or listening to music or or whatever and the thing is they are all connected and it's there's a thing about making that argument clear about some of those jobs i think that you know that exist that people don't you know people who direct the soaps or or all the Netflix series went to drama school probably or film school or where they did something to do with it, all of those performing arts. And it's just about recognizing that there's a lot of things that are just not on the front of an opera company or, or the national theater. There's a lot of things behind the scenes as well. You know? Oh, you're so right. I mean, the, the kind of, I guess you suppose you could call it the more commercial side of our creative industries, those profit-making companies. Um, there's no way they would be as successful or as brilliant as some of them are without subsidised arts and culture. I mean, yeah. You look at the talent coming through, whether, as you say, it's, it's actors, it's um, you know technical freelancers who learn their skills in subsidised theatres, whether it's um, you know sort of the smaller music venues who receive support, who then go on to kind of uh, develop the most incredible stars, whether it's just people um, learning creative skills. Um, because of the incredible outreach of those companies who go on to 
maybe jobs in advertising or marketing because they love thinking in that sort of creative and design oriented way. There's absolutely no way that the commercial creative yeah. industries in our country would be what, what it is without subsidised arts and culture. Yeah, but it's interesting you talk like that because I, I, we, we sort of agree in, in different ways because I think you know, Sam Mendes wrote a great piece a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in one of the papers about mm. that, you know, he's one of them. He's now a lot of the population would know him as directing bonds and stuff, but, you know, of course he was at the Donmar Warehouse for years yeah. and all this stuff, just learning, learning craft. And I think it's easy to, f to forget that. Um, yeah, and I, I and I think it's just that that argument is okay with certain people about the economic thing, but it's not going to work with other people, and they're not going to buy that. So you have to have that. You have to have a different couple of versions to get into them, and the the greater good, the as you say, the educational thing. Um, and I think you're just choosing the argument on the right days for the right person is just as important. You know what what does it need to be? Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think you know the fact that actually you can sit and listen to a really incredible piece of singing, for example, and it can make your life better. It can make mm. you feel better yeah. for a day and you can be transported. You know, the difficulty is you can't measure the, yeah. that feeling or how it impacts people's lives. But without it, you know, we've seen over the last four months um, yeah. what happens if you don't have it. And it makes people deeply miserable. Um, but how, how, you know, how on earth do we express that? It's a, it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge. And I think, you know, it's one that we should be up for. But I think that also is that thing of, um, of linking up with uh, other uh, sectors, not only creative industries like that, that are struggling at the moment in their own ways. And rather than everyone having, well, we've got to look after this between ourselves, just being more open to different crossover ideas between industries and, you know, with restaurants. And, you know, the restaurants are all, doing badly because the cinemas and the theatres are empty so let's mm. go and work with them a bit more you know let's just do these things and I think there just needs to be an opening up of um of, of minds really and I think that there you know there are some ideas out there but I think we just need to be ready to change the argument because in any normal argument you change the argument depending on who you're talking to it just seems in this one everyone says we need to make this argument and that's it and it's it's obviously not getting through. So I think we yeah. need to, you know, to, to widen it out a bit. Yeah, I completely um, agree. Continuing on from that in a, in a, in a, in a nice way, you obviously, um, because I mentioned in the introduction, you've become CEO of Neville Holt Opera this year. Yeah, managing director. What a time to take over a, mm. uh, a company for the, uh, you, you know, you couldn't have picked a stranger year really, could yeah. you, <laughs> to, come, to come into that sort of role. Um, how long were you in post before everything before everything uh, locked down? Well, I started working with the company at the beginning of January. Uh, so, I, I mean, it felt like so much longer, actually, but I really only had two and a half months. Um, and it was great. You know, I loved those months. We were powering away towards our 2020 season. Um, so I work with our artistic director, Nick Chalmers, who is absolutely brilliant at what brilliant, he does. Brilliant conductor, lovely guy. And we've had a couple of late night classes of wine. Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Um, so he's fantastic. You know, the, the team at um, NHO are lovely. We're a tiny, tiny team. There are five of us and I'm the only full-time member. So mm -hmm. we, we cover quite a lot. Um, <laughs> but no, it was a brilliant few months. Um, and actually the week before lockdown, um, that, that exact week before, um, I was staying uh, up near Neville Holt and working with some of our partners and potential collaborators around Birmingham and around Leicestershire, and it felt like a really exciting time. Mm. Um, you know, I said I sort of wanted to be 
doing this for a really long time. I, I really love opera and I love the companies that make opera mm. and I wanted to be in this position for a number of years. So it's, it's a really odd one to come in and think, okay, you know, building on this, this brilliant thing that Nick and Rosanna East, my predecessor, have made, what's the next step? And you come in full of ideas and full of things you want to do. And, and it's really odd then, of course, um, and, and deeply sad to have that all stopped. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what is lovely is how how collaborative actually everyone in the industry has been pretty much, and to to have a number of people from other opera companies and festivals reach out and say, mm. "You're right, <laughs> you've been doing this for three months. How are you doing?" Um, has been really kind and great. Um, and, and the other side of it, of course, is you know I really know every single pound that is spent by our company, that has been spent, that will be spent. I know the inner workings of Neville Holt Opera in a, a level of detail that is mm -hmm. forensic now, because of course that's how you have to approach um, a challenge or a crisis like this. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, it's been deeply, deeply sad, of course, um, but I feel like as someone who, uh, you know, has a, a reasonably, secure role I mean as, as secure as any of our, our roles are at the moment mm. um I am much luckier than many and yeah. so I feel like it, it's not appropriate for me to go on too much about how sad I am because in the grand scheme of things yeah I've been pretty lucky um I think I think that's very very well put I think the, the thing is because you and I have had a couple of um well more than a couple of chats over these couple <laughs> of months and I think that it has been a great period of uh, camaraderie between the opera companies and, and, and chatting is obviously you, you know it's been difficult mentally for, for, mm. for a lot of people and sometimes it's just nice to get on the phone or zoom and have a chat with someone and just to say God, I'm having a really terrible day mm. and, and unless you're really unlucky the other person hasn't uh, is not having as bad a day and they can help you through that and you can repay <laughs> them on another day um, yeah. But there was one particular day where I spoke to about two or three people and they're all having just as bad a day. So we sort of yeah. gave up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's coming in kind of fits and starts, isn't it? I don't know if you found this, James, but I found like the last week, everyone I've spoken to has been utterly miserable. And then yeah. there was a similar, there was a similar week, maybe about a month ago, um, where equally everyone said, oh, I'm really having a dip. I've really hit mm. a wall at this point. Mm. And I feel like we, I don't know whether it's the, like the, the schedule we're all going through or whether it's obviously impacted by the news or what it is but we do yep. seem to be having that roller coaster in a, yep. a sort of slightly joined up way which is very strange. I think it is and I think this as you're right it's the news it's the atmospherics just around mm -hmm. generally is what what we're perceiving to be the the story of the day or you know the message of the week from people in the government or whatever and it affects and it knocks on and then you only have to talk to a few people to think oh it's not so good now but you know, people like you and I, we've got plans, you know, we're working mm -hmm. on things, you know, we weren't going to them too much now, but I know that you're working on things, some of them are out yeah. there, and we are, and I think that that's been quite a emotional release as well, to have a couple of things to focus on, to say, okay, we're not talking about the cancelled stuff anymore, mm. right, at this moment, we're talking about that next week that we're going to do, and that's quite a, it's quite a good, you know, G up for yourself to go into that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I must tell you, so we recorded um, 
two recitals in our theatre at Neville Holt at the beginning of June because we wanted to do something to mark what would have been the start of our season and we're really proud of the theatre it's beautiful and it's a lovely theatre isn't amazing. it amazing thanks it's uh uh it's such a such a special thing as so we wanted to, to record these and when we um we did a day's filming all socially distanced and I must say I'm not a particularly sentimental person um but when I heard uh Aoife Miskelly who was the wonderful soprano who was singing and Nick accompanying her start this recital um I just burst into tears mm. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a crier um <laughs> it was just the the idea of being back in the theatre after that time and after so much um kind of shared trauma mm. was was it absolutely incredible and I think you're absolutely right as well to talk about needing to look ahead and find creative things and to kind of boil yourself up because one of the challenges that I've found over the last few months has been simultaneously firefighting and getting into all that detail and really looking at a, a, a model and a, a set of um, financial circumstances that mean we can continue next year and we can you know, hopefully thrive, whilst also coming up with those kind of exciting creative ideas and big, wonderful projects that yeah. our whole sector loves delivering and is brilliant at delivering. Um, and that will enable us to go back to audiences as and when we can restart and say yeah. like, come on, this is really great, yeah. um, get behind us. And I think it can sometimes feel when you're right there sort of in the weeds, trying to scrape together, you know, every pound, uh, calling yeah. around everyone who's ever supported your company. And, you know, all of that, we, we, we've all been doing it. Um, it can be hard to think, actually, this time next year, we want to make sure there's something we deliver that's really sensational and what you know what do we do and particularly what do we do if we're still impacted in some way by social distancing and I think yeah. that our our sector and you know and I, I mean that in its widest possible way I mean people in management I mean artists I mean technical teams I mean every single person who works on opera classical music and theatre is used to problem solving and firefighting you yeah. know it's a big part of our, our jobs and so we have some time now to think, okay, this could be the world's biggest problem, you know, mm. this social distancing or whatever. But um, if, if we start thinking about how that impacts us next summer now, perhaps we can come up with a really creative yeah. solution. And I say that absolutely recognising how lucky Neville Holt Opera is to mm. not be operating a big building year round with hundreds yeah. of staff. I mean, the, obviously the circumstances for other companies with different levels of overheads and, and different schedules is completely different and much more challenging um mm. but i think those of us who are aiming towards next summer now you know with ex some extra work in between but really our big moment is next summer mm. can make sure that whatever challenges we face next year we're going to have the most amazing creative solution and that that's quite exciting yeah, I think it's exciting, it's exciting to hear you talk about it. I mean, I think that that's the thing, and that's the thing that's getting me through some of these days, as you say, that trying to lift everyone else when you're trying to keep, uh, you know, the equilibrium yourself is sometimes difficult. But when you suddenly think, oh, I can do this, and oh, okay, we can do that, 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 and that's something we can put on. And then there's a quite a buzz quite quickly that, it, you know, that this this can happen. And I think it does, you know, it, it is a creative industry. We should be able to come up with ideas. I mean, we're fortunate at Holland Park because the bottom line is we've got an outdoor theatre. So, uh, you know, we can try and look at something in a different way to that. And you say we're not year round like some of the big companies. So I think that there just needs to be 
you know, thought on it. And I think that there are people around that can think about these things. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest single uh, resource that our industry has got is people, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, in every, in every place, particularly artists, particularly uh, you know, tech, technical staff, you know, particularly in the, in the teams. And I think that the people, it's their time, even though it's incredible pressure now, and, and a lot of them are really struggling, a lot of us are struggling, to get this, to, we're going to look to those people to get us out of this as well, because they're the creative ones and working with them. And I think trying to get, you know, a shared responsibility with the audiences to really say, you know, this is your time now as well. You know, you need to not just put your money in your pocket, which is obviously a great thing, but to, to maybe come and see one more show than you would normally do. Maybe bring another friend. Uh, if you brought two friends, two new friends to the opera every time you come, possibly that can help. And I think it's just really reaching out in different ways to people to say, you know, this is a problem, but we want to work with you all to, to solve it. It's not just going to be like this magic thing that, everything's back to normal it's going to be over a period of time and you know we've talked about this before as well but there's you're talking about strategy and taking over but it's the mike tyson line about everyone's got a strategy strategy until you get a punch in the mouth and I think <laughs> that, you know it's then about what the next strategy is and um, yeah. and, and being flexible enough to go okay well that's changed now um now now what is it and and something you told me years ago is um you know about culture each strategy for breakfast it's that thing of of creating a culture within your company to say this is you know you've got freedom to create this is freedom to have ideas how are we what do you all think is going to be the way out of this and we as bosses then have to make the call on it but encouraging people to say okay well what do you think you yeah. know, let's work on it yeah i think you're absolutely right and one of the things that i hope that we don't lose actually from this period is um, what's the best way to say it? So obviously we've all gone online. Um, we've all moved a lot of our stuff online. We're spending a lot of time online. And one of the um, byproducts of that is that sort of evening out of hierarchy and voices to a degree. So people who maybe haven't been listened to as much, even though they have brilliant ideas um, and lots of huge value to say, are coming through you know if you really look there are brilliant ideas coming from all sorts of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds and with all sorts of different skills and I think I mean just speaking for myself but I'm sure it's the case across the industry um having to spend more time online like this means we've heard more from those people and can recognize actually that there should be more space for those people um mm -hmm. In, in real life performances too um, and within our companies and within our ideas and receiving funding and all of that and I think that sort of links back to what you were saying James about making sure that anyone involved could have ideas and can be creative mm. um, and then now is the time like now is not the time for any of us with leading companies to stand up and say I've found this one way to do it and this is how it's going to be and you're all going to line up behind us that is not going to work Mm. Um, and as you say, things can change every day. And, and I think the sort of dream team situation is that your whole network or, or family um, within whichever company is coming up with ideas and yeah. you know, innovating all the time. And people are. I mean, I've been blown away by how hard and how creatively everyone is working. I don't think there's mm. a single person within our sector um, 
who is currently employed and sitting at home having a lovely time you know everyone mm. is straining to try and make this work and yeah. uh i think it's it's inspiring to see but you know within all that it need, we need support our sector needs support and needs um that that hard work and that value we talked about earlier needs mm. to be recognized um yeah. so that we can survive in the future yeah i think that's right and i think also the thing is you know because i you know you have you know one has to have a leader somewhere you know the leaders have to lead and it's not as i often say to my team it's, it's not a complete democracy it can't be because <laughs> you know things don't get done that we'd all be you know wandering around in a circle but i think the thing is if as long as um the best idea wins and and the um people like us that lead companies say okay this is it now get behind this I mean, it doesn't matter who's had the who's had the idea but this is the call that we're making yeah now yeah. everyone here and if you don't agree with it okay well that's fine you might get the next one but it, there needs to be a thing of saying okay we've got to go for this and and I, i'm thinking a lot more at the moment about you know each department having more and more you know personal responsibility and more freedom say so, okay you run that department you come to me i might make the call to say this is what we're going to do but now you go off and say, what can we do to make that call the best call it can possibly be? You know, yeah. I think that's a way that we just need to have more and more people saying, okay, well, uh, this hasn't worked before, but maybe this. And I think it's just the time and you're right. It changes all the time. And God knows how many times we've spoken and then said, oh yeah, well, I was going to do that, but it's had to change. <laughs> it's had to change now. I'm not doing that anymore. And, but I think if we can keep flexible, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come out. But yeah yeah i think oh. i think so um if i can be really nerdy for one second um there's a there's a, a way of thinking about culture and, and our teams that i really love and actually i found really useful in this crisis particularly because i think it helps people stay really engaged um i'll, I'll talk about it for like two minutes it is quite uh i don't know it's it's something i learned um like my management course but i think it's so relevant it definitely works for me and i've really enjoyed using it there's this model for um sort of keeping people engaged and most of it's common sense but i found it helpful to work through and kind of check in with myself and the idea is that if all these things are healthy then actually your team will be in a really great place and it's called the voice model um and it looks at uh, a number of different things factors that you should health check one is obviously vision and that everyone in your team understands and has bought into and helped shape the vision of what you're doing um one is opportunity and it's all about people having an opportunity to you know grow and develop and mm -hmm. uh learn new skills then there's i for impact you know what uh, can people see how the work they do impacts on the whole company um, and also I for incentive, you know, do they mm -hmm. feel they're rewarded for it? And that doesn't mm -hmm. have to mean salary. It can be recognition yep. or other benefits. Then there's communication, which is, are they a hearing enough from you, but also are they able to feedback, um, and talk across the company and also see for community. So do they feel part of something, a part of a group? And then the E, which I think is really interesting is all about experimentation and do people within their roles have the ability to help shape how those roles look, whether that's just as simple as kind of flexible working or working with a different place, or whether it's saying, actually, this job would be better if, you know, I could also do this over here. And I just love checking through all those things mm. and going, okay, I can see why someone in my team or, you know, so someone in a certain company is feeling really disenfranchised or disengaged. Yeah. 
and it's because those things aren't healthy and I yeah. think almost now more than ever we have to be checking in that our teams feel good and I think one of our we talked about this a lot um but such a big part of, of leading and leading a team at this point is making sure they're looked after and mental health is good um, yeah. and that you absorb some of that stress on their behalf and for me going through that series of points really helps to just check that I'm not missing something that's crucial to their yeah, well-being great. really really great advice for any, anyone listening I think that's, that's brilliant all the way around and I think it is mental health of people at work at any level is going to be uh, a, a real crucial thing over the next couple of years on the, yeah. the you know the knock-on from this and I think because people's jobs are going to be changing, there's going to be a lot of doubt about jobs and everything. All of these things just feed into the into the right thing. I think it, I think it's really great, great. And we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, tie up soon. But I was going to say to you, I've been asking people that have come on um, if there's any sort of uh, local or independent suppliers that you've had during lockdown that deserve a shout out, so we can give them a bit of a, a bit of a bit of free advertising. Have, have you have you used any smaller businesses through it that have been great? Yeah, we, we have. Um, so there's a, a coffee shop just around the corner from us called Southport Coffee, um, which is just off Offord Road, um, off the Caledonian Road. Uh, and they've been not only delivering amazing coffee, uh, I mean, the best coffee, but also um, all sorts of food parcels and, and brilliant stuff. And, you know, we're delivering to people who were shielding um, at the beginning of lockdown. And I think still are doing that now. Um, and then the other one I really want to mention is, I might get their name wrong, but it's the Bethnal Green Fish Merchant, Fish Supplier, right. Bethnal Green Fish. And they, honestly, you buy a box of their fish and I've never seen so much fish in all my life. Our freezer is <laughs> still full of fish. Um, we, I, I had too much fish in one week and now I don't think I can ever have fish again, but I've still got so much fish. Um, but it's incredible fishmonger fish. I think they normally supply restaurants and um <laughs> and it you just get so much and you get prawns and seafood and fish and uh yeah highly recommend it's i love great. it i know i like that i mean we've got a very great uh, local fishmonger the um green mm. lanes fisheries in um oh, in, very good. But, and, and he's been brilliant he's a one-man band but i think that the um well, that sounds absolutely great and i think a lot of those independent businesses are um you know, really stepping up in this period, and it's it's down to a bit of responsibility for people to stay with them a bit when when things are a bit more back to normal because they were there for us all when when there was a real struggle on. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm part of a, a group. Um, so obviously, although I live sort of near Kings Cross, I split my time, spend a lot of time um, in Leicestershire and around Neville Holt, um, where we're based. And so I'm part of a, a group of businesses there who meet and speak quite regularly. And there, there were quite a few local businesses from places like Lutterworth and other um, towns, Market Harbour as well, saying we've never, you know, people who've never looked twice at us because mm. everyone's gone to the bigger supermarkets are mm. now coming in every day and they are our friends. <laughs> yeah. you know, how do we keep this after lockdown? And I think that that approach to really supporting your local suppliers is, is amazing. Um, yeah. And actually something that I think you know, something we're doing is brilliantly already, but as arts organisations, that's definitely where a large part of our future lies. Um, yeah, in indeed. a in a great way, in an inspiring way, not in a not yeah. in a terrifying way. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's absolutely, and I think all of that will lead to, lead on to things, and it's and it's a it's an important thing for us to look at other uh, you know other business models as well, and and take it on not to be not to be blinkered. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I think it's 
you know that really is important those small businesses and how they keep loyalty and how they keep it and how we all keep loyalty from our great supporters and members that in this period of keeping them informed and very similar to what you're talking about your own team you know we've got we've upped our communications to our members since this happened and we've also started a um, a weekly um, wellness and warm-up and relaxation thing on zoom with one of our singers just to just in case people have been on their own or they just want to start the day with a bit more company or whatever and i think that it's going to cut through that stuff and hopefully companies like us and you that are doing things like that then people will remember it later on and we have done some good in this in this time but um yeah i completely agree we we could talk all the time and we have done many (laughs) times and we should we're going to go to the 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 park with our respective other halves at some point to have a to have a drink in person rather than on zoom that would be really good um but um i got it wrong earlier on but managing director of uh neville hall opera annie lidford annie thanks so much for coming says it's an absolute pleasure talking to you as always thank you so much james it was a delight thank you you have been listening to from the producer's office a series of informal podcasts with james clutton for more information on opera holland park please visit www.operahollandpark.com